to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com this episode is sponsored in part by lioness again you can still enter to win a free lioness on my instagram until next week just follow at lioness health on instagram then go to the lioness giveaway post on the sluts and scholars page on instagram and follow the instructions to enter to win the winner will be announced the week of february 28th the lioness smart vibrator was named one of the 100 greatest inventions of 2021 by popular science and it's an awesome tool for better understanding your body as it uses ai precision sensors and biofeedback to help visualize your arousal and orgasms when paired with the app. The Lioness was also featured in the episode with Vaughn Music, who makes music from her orgasm wave patterns, which she tracks using the Lioness. The Lioness is a woman-owned, award-winning sex science-driven sex toy company founded by Liz Klinger and Anna Lee. Liz Klinger has an awesome episode on the podcast where we talk all about the lioness. I just really love this technology. Firstly, it's fun and it feels great, but it's so amazing to be able to know this part of myself even more intimately. Uh, Vaughn actually has a new song coming out called Tiny Boy, which was created from using the lioness vibrator. And Jess Joho from Mashable even used the lioness to see and note the differences between mindful versus normal normal masturbation and found that her orgasm length increased with mindful masturbation. If you could use the lioness to track something about your pleasure, what would it be? I'm biased, but if you haven't yet, definitely go check out these past episodes and get your own lioness today at lioness.io. That's L-I-O-N-E-S-S dot I-O. Okay, next up, I want to promote an event that I am co-hosting coming up called Into Pleasure. You can find all the info and buy tickets at intopleasure.com. Right now, the early bird full day is only $97, and Into Pleasure was created by past podcast guest, burlesque star Michelle Lamour. It's an all-virtual event happening on April 2nd from 9.30 a.m. until 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. On April 2nd, we will dive into pleasure. We will learn from experts about sexuality, sensuality, and play. Absolutely no experience required. These classes are great if you are just starting your pleasure journey or if you are a pleasure pro. So join us for a full day of activities or pick and choose your pleasure a la carte. I'll be speaking alongside past podcast guest Goddess Coco Meow and Javay DeBay, as well as Michelle Lamour and this amazing bondage duo named Leaf and Icarus. All of the sessions are super interactive and will cover everything from beauty rituals to kink and rope tying and even sensual movement. So come get into pleasure with me and get your early bird discounts today at intopleasure.com. That's I-N-T-O into pleasure.com. See you there. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am welcoming Bex. Bex is a Philly-based sex educator, speaker, and podcaster. He's a service-oriented sadomasochistic switch with an overdeveloped sense of curiosity and a big mouth. 
who has been at sex shops, events, and conferences all along the East Coast and online since 2016. Bex's teaching style prioritizes inclusivity, accessibility, harm reduction, and humor. He uses storytelling to engage the audience and metaphors and pop culture references to break down complex topics into digestible concepts. You can find him at Bex Talks Sex or his weekly podcast, The Dildorks, which is a really fun listen. Uh, welcome, Bex. Thanks. I'm so excited to ha- to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to have you too. And I love the name Dildorks. I've followed you all for a long time. So I'm glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It is one, probably one of my favorite names I've come up with things for things. Obviously you mentioned my website is Bex Talk Sex, which is just literally who I am and what I do. Like there's no imagination there, but I'm quite pleased with the Dildorks. I, it's about six years old at this point and I'm real happy. <laughs> Well, glad to have you. So, okay, one of the workshops, and you have a bunch of them, so everyone should Mm -hmm. definitely check those out. One of the workshops you lead is for sexy talk and sexting, uh, called Write It Better Than You've Ever Felt It. Um, And so most people I know still have a hard time with this um, in the Mm -hmm. moment. It often ends up for them feeling awkward or like not sexy or them being like too cutesy or maybe they say something and then later they're reading back and they're like oh my god what the fuck was i saying um Mm -hmm. and they feel ashamed and embarrassed so um i know this is a whole ass workshop but i would love to do a little like mini teaching for the listeners um what uh, yeah what are some tips and tricks for dirty talking and sexting and where do we even start Yeah. Okay. Oh gosh. Where do we even start? So I have two main tips that I think come to mind because a lot of people struggle with this. And I think a lot of what you were talking about there was like, oh, they feel like they wrote the wrong thing or they're looking back on the thing and they're nervous about it. And like, that's not even necessarily struggling with the skills of sexting. A lot of that struggle is confidence in saying the thing and feeling comfortable in what you're saying. Because the thing with sexting and dirty talk in general is we're talking about things we don't get to practice talking about often. And then as soon as you have an opportunity, well, that opportunity is real high stakes because you're talking to someone who's really hot. So suddenly it's like really nerve wracking. Uh, So I find the first thing I'm going to recommend is that it is helpful to just like practice and particularly with people that you are comfortable with, like if you have an established partner, like even if you were just reading erotica someone else wrote to each other, you were just practicing having those words in your mouth and then you're kind of even taking responsibility for those words away from yourself. I didn't come up with these. If one of the things I say is silly, it's because this author wrote a silly thing and we can talk about that together and decide what words we like and what words we don't. But that can just like get you used to saying the things and feeling what those words feel like in your mouth. I really like that, practicing what it feels like in your mouth. I mean, I I think it'd be the same thing if I'm teaching people how to touch themselves and how to touch each other is like practicing like, physically holding it so it makes sense to like practice having the words in your mouth (laughs) exactly like i you know there there are a lot of words that i only see on paper but and i say the word cock all day for my job but for a lot of people like a thing we would do in teaching a workshop is have the whole room yell the word cock and have the whole room yell the word pussy because when you do that for a room full of people who don't do this for a living they're like oh my god (laughs) said the word and it gets the giggles okay so there was something to that like high school penis game where you would yell penis as loud as you could it was actually helping you feel less shame so (laughs) that wasn't for naught i mean to be fair your goal was to not be heard so i don't know how much we're playing with the lack of shame thing there but oh i I thought it was like who could be the loudest oh see 
So the way we played it in my school, it was who could be the loudest without being overheard by someone who will be upset by it. So like usually oh. the teacher. You had to say penis uh. loud enough that everyone else heard penis, but the teacher. Yeah, mine didn't was hear like who could be the big visionist. Yeah. Ah, yes, yeah, exactly. Okay. See how the penis I, game varies across the country? Yeah, it really does. <laughs> okay, so practicing getting the words in your mouth. Yes, absolutely. And um so I'm sure you're familiar with uh, the communication tool, a yes, no, maybe list. And I assume you've talked about it on the show in passing. Um, but really, I can't stop I, thinking about yelling cock. So I wonder if we could <laughs> let's just like have, I wonder if we could just do it now, especially because yes. I'm at work at my office. And if you're able to in the space that you're in, and then I want to invite listeners to also do this. <laughs> yes, no, I can absolutely do that. I can, I'm going to scooch back from the microphone because I'm very Italian. So if I'm going <laughs> to yell, it's going to be upsetting for anyone with headphones. Uh, but yeah, we can absolutely do this. Are we doing this on a count of three? Sure, or we can go back and forth. You tell me. You're the, you're the teacher today. Oh, gosh. All right. I say we do it in unison for moral support on the count of three. Okay. All right. Okay. We're yelling the word cock, yeah? Yes, and All listeners right. too. Do it. Excellent. One, two, three. Cock! Cock! <laughs> <laughs> And just like it, because it feels like such a weighty word when you're just, it's a thing that you're not supposed to be saying, you know? Yeah. Um, but so here's the thing, right? It, that's actually a decent segue into what I was talking about. Because with the yes, no, maybe list, um, typically what you would do with that is sort activities into categories. Yes, I want to do the thing. No, I don't want to do the thing. Maybe once I learn more about the thing, maybe once I feel more confident in the thing, etc. But a thing I do with a yes, no, maybe list that I haven't seen a ton of people talking about is I use it for language as well, right? So I yelled the word cock and listeners at home yelled the word cock. And for some of them, they were like, that's probably liberating. Wow, I got to say the thing. And for some of them, they were like, eh, that word just feels... That's just not, I don't like the word, that word in my mouth. I want to call it a dick. I want to call it, you know, whatever number of things you want to call it. Um, and I think we've all encountered sentences that are supposed to be sexy that have one or two words and suddenly we're like, that's just mm -hmm. not hot to me. And that's a preference yeah. thing. So using a yes, no, maybe list or any other communication tool to just talk to your partner about what words they find sexy can help you feel so much more confident going into like your dirty talk and sexting because you're not like questioning if I'm going to call it his schlong and he's going to feel weird about that. Right. Like his quivering you know, member. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're like, no, you're picking from a list of words that this person has said, these words turn me on. And you're saying the words from the word bank that they gave you. So you can feel confident that like, regardless of how I use these words, they're the words that turn them on. It's probably going to turn, and I turn them on, so it's going to turn them on to hear me say them. You know what I mean? Is there a good yes, no, maybe list that you like? Or do you encourage well, folks I'm to do them Because I'm a nerd. <laughs> yes, okay, so people can maybe get that from you? Yes, yeah. So if you go, uh, there are a great many yes, no, maybe lists out there. But if you go to bextalksex.com, you can find, I have it right on my homepage. Um, or you can, click on resources and you'll find it linked there. Um, but I have my yes, no, maybe list. And in addition to including the activities, it also includes words and obviously add your own, um, but it also includes feelings, which is another thing that when we're talking about sex and kink, um, yes, I might say I want 
to be spanked. But there is a difference between I want to be punished and I want to endure pain for someone mm. that I'm serving. Right. So by talking so about it's like, feeling, how do you want to feel during and after and before? Exactly. Exactly. What kind of feelings are you trying to cultivate through the activities that you're deciding to fill in your scene? So those are two yes, things. Yes. I that much I prefer yeah. that than somebody saying, like, um, did you come? Right. Yeah. And instead of like, how, how did you feel? How do you want to feel? And I think that's, there's so much more to answer there. Exactly. And it can help you think more creatively about, especially when we're talking about kink, the kinds of things you might incorporate into a scene. Because someone might say, like, I want to endure pain and I want to feel powerful and accomplished. And as a dominant, I can craft a scene around that. And it's going to look very different from someone who says, I want to feel pain because I want to suffer and feel catharsis. The things I say mm. to them are going to be different. The kinds of pain I give them, the context in which I am hitting them is going to feel different. Mm -hmm. And that's like a key bit of information that I think is lacking from a typical yes, no, maybe list, which is why I include it in mine. Yes, I love that. And I think even if you're not kinky and listening, mm -hmm. I think that's important because this is something that most people don't ask or don't talk mm -hmm. about. Like, when was the last time you hooked up with someone and they were like, what do you want me to call your genitals? Like, yeah. I, if you are doing that and someone asked that, like, amazing, you're in a great community, like, maybe that's an awesome partner for you. But it's not a common thing. I mean, nobody's taught that in sex ed. Right. Right. It's not. And it can be helpful. <laughs> And it's it, like you said, because people aren't asking it, it's not a thing we see role models. So not only are we not taught it in sex ed, I'm not taught it through my experience. I don't know what it looks like to do that. And often mm -hmm. if I'm the one doing it and someone is encountering it for the first time, they don't know what it looks like to receive that. They may ne never have heard that question or considered that. Like I'm trans. Yeah. I Every conversation, every time I'm fucking someone, I'm like, so what are your bits called? What do we do to them? How do I engage with them? Yeah. Um, but when I fuck cis people, sometimes, like, I ask them the same question because I assume they also have preferences about their And genitals. they might be like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> right. And I always, and like, sometimes I get the blank stare of like, oh, I hadn't considered having opinions about that. And I'm like, yes, you're allowed to, too. Congrats. Like, let's think about it together, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Okay, so the first tip was definitely uh, amazing. That second one, I would say, is good for everyone. Um, any other tips you would mm -hmm. suggest for like getting into the, getting into the dirt? My my tip that I always invite to people is like just saying what you want to do, which can be intimidating, mm -hmm. right? So maybe before you do that, is it's writing it down um, for mm -hmm. yourself, and then like you said, maybe reading it out loud for yourself, practicing getting those words in your mouth. But I think there's not a lot of ways to really go wrong, especially if you're just describing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would say like a good way to start is literally just like narrating what you're doing, but obviously making sure that that's attractive to your partner. Cause if they don't mm -hmm. like that and you're like narrating it, <laughs> it can definitely take some people out of the moment. Um, but if that works, I think just like throwing in a little bit of like saying what you're physically doing um, or mm -hmm. what you're about to do. Right. This kind of comes back to what we were talking about earlier, about how some of this language is not the stuff we encounter often. People think, mm -hmm. when, I am, when I am dirty talking to someone in the moment, it does not look like when I am sexing them, and it does not look like when I am writing erotica. And I think people expect those to be the same. 
Like when mm. I I can't be riding someone's dick and like listing off this beautiful erotic prose. If you sit <laughs> well, yeah, because then you desk, might not be in your body. You might be in your head. Exactly, exactly. Like if you sit me at my desk and ask me to write this really descriptive, flowery, gorgeous sex scene, I can probably do that, right? If I'm sexting, I'm taking my time. I'm spending a little while in between brushing up that language. But like, if I'm dirty talking in the moment, I might just be saying, fuck, your dick feels so good over and over. And like, that can be dirty talk. I think people put these expectations on themselves of having to be able to say this big, huge thing. If my words are getting caught in my mouth and I'm fumbling over my words because I'm so turned on, I can't think straight, that's still hot. That's still the experience. Yeah, or that's a good, maybe that's a good thing because you're in your body and you're not exactly. thinking too much. Exactly. And I think that is the thing that a lot of people are afraid of when they think, oh, I'm going to start dirty talking. It means I have to dirty talk through the whole scene and like talk and like speak eloquently and clearly and be like describing it in these beautiful ways. No, you're busy. You're doing other things. And like, I think it can be helpful to uh, have just a little bit of patience and recognition for what like dirty talk can look like actually in practice. Sometimes just the act of saying the things is hot because we don't hear these words coming out of our partner's mouths. We don't get to say them often. We don't talk explicitly about these things. So simply saying it alone can be really hot. And maybe this might just be the Virgo and me talking to myself, but maybe if we lower our expectations for ourselves, we might be more comfortable being vulnerable in these ways. Yeah, and I mean, I, I never really put it to words like this, so I, I'm grateful to you for like helping me think it this way, but it's almost like maybe your goal in partnered dirty talk is to um, not think at all and like say what the fuck ever, because then yeah. that means that you're in your body and you're animalistic and you're really in your pleasure and you're not, thinking so much so like whatever the fuck comes out even if it's like whoa, 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 maybe, maybe that's like i don't know good right. for what's I, happening for you in that moment right i mean for me i when i think of the function of dirty talk in the moment um a i do use it so i think something that's interesting here is like dirty talk doesn't necessarily like if i am thinking a lot about what i'm saying it doesn't necessarily have to be pulling me out of the moment sometimes describing what is happening to me is the thing that's keeping me in the moment because if i wasn't mm. articulating what i'm feeling or giving words to it my mind would Might be wandering. Distracted. i have adhd yeah my yeah. mind will go to tomorrow's grocery list or something so sometimes mm, that description is keeping me present yes okay um, that's a really good point I, I could see that happening as well like just going to the the, the laundry list Exactly, exactly. Um, and also, I find, I think for me, my goal within the moment dirty talk is simply to give my partner a glimpse of what is happening in my mind, like let them in on my internal experience of the sex that we're having. Um, so yeah, sometimes that is like, I just started fantasizing about this really hot thing and I want to tell you about it. And maybe that is like a couple sentences or whatever. And sometimes it's Jesus Christ, your dick feels so good. I can't even, I, I can't think, I don't, I, what do I, I don't, oh my God. Right. And like both of those things are hot things to hear out of your partner's mouth. Um, it just is more about, I think for me in my experience, my goals are more about, uh, connecting to my internal experience and sharing that with the person or people that I'm playing with. 
Yeah, I like that. And I think, look, it's up to you. I don't know if you agree with this, but I think it's up to each individual person to decide what they want to share. Like, I think it's totally Mm -hmm. okay to have a not shared experience of something that floats into your head and not to shame it, just be like, oh, that's yummy. Like, maybe I'll keep it to myself if I want to. But then Mm -hmm. you have the opportunity to share and connect on that if you choose to share it. Absolutely. There are absolutely fantasies that live in my head too. That's totally a thing. Um, (laughs) Yeah, those are fun. (laughs) Yeah. And there are other ones that like I share later on, like they're so often that I am fucking my partner and like five, 10 minutes after we're done, I'm like, Hey, so this is what I was thinking about. What were you thinking about? Right? Because my words are back. And it's a a point where I'm like, oh, I can actually explain to you in detail the thing I was thinking about in a way that feels good. And like it lived in my head the whole time, right? Or maybe days or weeks later, I share that. Or like I said, there are plenty of things that are just mine for me. And and that's lovely, too. I don't think I that there is a real answer to this because I would say no. But do you think there's anything across the board that you quote unquote shouldn't do when exploring dirty talk, whether it's via texting or in person or uh, erotica, like anything that's a, a no go across the board? I would say no, as long as it's obviously we're talking consensual stuff. Right. And not just randomly sexting someone who didn't ask for it. So that's a that's an obvious one, but yeah. Right. Like I don't I think it's hard to put a hard and fast rule on something that you should never do. I think a thing that is helpful to kind of look out for and in yourself, um, a thing that the first thing that comes to mind for me is um people who are sexting or dirty talking at me instead of to me or with me. Mm -hmm. So it feels like they already have a narrative that they uh, want to share and want to tell. And the Mm. things that I say and the contributions that I make are not going to really have an impact on that narrative. Yeah. Um, So like, I, Because then that's not dirty talking and communicating, that's dirty storytelling, which can also be fun, but it's like, if you thought that you were collaborating, and now someone's just like trying to get you to fit into their story, and you didn't know that, that probably doesn't feel good. Exactly. It, uh, for me, and also, I mean, I'm a sex worker, so sometimes that is my job to do. Well, Um, it's different if you're getting paid, and you're like, okay, for this, versus like collaborating (laughs) with a partner, and yeah. Yeah, so this is like certainly a thing I have encountered, and there are circumstances where I'm like, yes, this is like you wanted to do the thing, but when I am in like social experiences and I, it makes, I start to feel fungible when it's like, could you have, is it just the process of telling this story to anyone that is hot to you versus are we collaboratively building a fantasy world? Uh, Yeah. So so it's like too like objectifying in a way that doesn't feel good. Exactly. Um, Cause the, I fungibility is actually a word I learned in an objectification class, and I know it means uh, other see, things. See, that word just gives me like trauma fun. response because I think of non fungible tokens or whatever, and then mm. I'm like, what is that? And I can't, yeah, it is well. So it is an element. <laughs> You're going to get me on a weird diversion, but <laughs> we're this both was... a- we're both ADHD, so we yeah. just keep fucking going. <laughs> well, what I did love about this class, though, is it took the idea of objectification and to talked about. Um, all different ways that we objectify people. So it couldn't be in this idea of like replaceability and fungibility. It can also be in like um, 
like objects of desire or whatever. They broke up a bunch of different ways we objectify people and talked in a discussion of um, which ways feel good to eroticize and which feels which ways feel less good to eroticize. Um, and it was really fascinating to break down this idea of objectification because, like, in a kink way, that can be really fun to play with. Like, a fuck toy is an object. I like being turned into an object sometimes. Um, but there are all of these different elements of objectifying people and these different angles that we can get to. And anyway, it was a whole rabbit hole that I found really, really fascinating. Um, but that flavor of sexting or dirty talk that is just at me, not so much to me, does feel objectifying in a way that feels icky to me as opposed to the objectifying that I like to eroticize. Yeah, definitely. This episode is sponsored in part by Lioness. Again, you can still enter to win a free Lioness on my Instagram until next week. Just follow at Lioness Health on Instagram, then go to the Lioness giveaway post on the Sluts and Scholars page on Instagram and follow the instructions to enter to win. The winner will be announced the week of February 28th. The Lioness Smart Vibrator was named one of the 100 greatest inventions of 2021 by Popular Science, and it's an awesome tool for better understanding your body as it uses AI precision sensors and biofeedback to help visualize your arousal and orgasms when paired with the app. The Lioness was also featured in the episode with Vaughn Music, who makes music from her orgasm wave patterns, which she tracks using the Lioness. The Lioness is a woman-owned, award-winning sex science-driven sex toy company founded by Liz Klinger and Anna Lee. Liz Klinger has an awesome episode on the podcast where we talk all about the lioness. I just really love this technology. Firstly, it's fun and it feels great, but it's so amazing to be able to know this part of myself even more intimately. Uh, Vaughn actually has a new song coming out called Tiny Boy, which was created from using the lioness vibrator. And Jess Joho from Mashable even used the lioness to see and note the differences between mindful versus normal masturbation and found that her orgasm length increased with mindful masturbation. If you could use the lioness to track something about your pleasure, what would it be? I'm biased, but if you haven't yet, definitely go check out these past episodes and get your own lioness today at lioness.io. That's L-I-O-N-E-S-S dot I-O. Okay, next up, I want to promote an event that I am co-hosting coming up called Into Pleasure. You can find all the info and buy tickets at intopleasure.com. Right now, the early bird full day is only $97, and Into Pleasure was created by past podcast guest burlesque star Michelle L'Amour. It's an all-virtual event happening on April 2nd from 9.30 a.m. until 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. On April 2nd, we will dive into pleasure. We will learn from experts about sexuality, sensuality, and play. Absolutely no experience required. These classes are great if you are just starting your pleasure journey or if you are a pleasure pro. So join us for a full day of activities or pick and choose your pleasure a la carte. I'll be speaking alongside past podcast guest goddess Coco Meow and Jave DeBay, as well as Michelle L'Amour and this amazing bondage duo named Leaf and Icarus. All of the sessions are super interactive and will cover everything from beauty rituals to kink and rope tying and even sensual movement. So come get into pleasure with me and get your early bird discounts today at intopleasure.com. That's I-N-T-O into pleasure.com. See you there. And just a quick note for listeners out there, I already told this to Bex, but I'm working from my ranch office today. Mm. And if you're just tuning in, um, I also do equine assisted therapy, which means therapy with horses and donkeys. And so 
Um, in the background, I've got some pig and chicken noises, <laughs> which I will probably edit out. But I feel like because we're talking about like no shame to any noises, maybe I will just have some random like, squeals <laughs> in the background from these pigs. So if you hear some weird noises, um, it's the ranch. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I kind of like it, and I love it that we're talking about this and like that's mm-hmm. the backdrop noise. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I think that all sounds like good like tips for starters but also people that are going and i think just coming back to that question for me of um can you say the wrong thing um quote unquote wrong thing again it's Mm -hmm. so subjective i feel like yes you absolutely can but that doesn't have to mean it's the end of everything right Mm -hmm. like if you say something with a partner and they didn't realize it was maybe a trigger for them or they decide they like it or don't like it i think that it's okay you can always come back and revisit that Uh, Mm -hmm. and be able to say, oh, you know, this really didn't work for me, or, oh, I I really liked it when you said this, but I didn't like it when you said that. So you can always refine and and edit and figure that out. It's not the end of the world if you say something um, and it doesn't land. Exactly. If one wrong sentence has the potential to blow up your entire sexting relationship, then there is a broader issue with your relationship that I think needs to be talked about. Mm -hmm. I think it is important to create space in these conversations that you know your partner can say, hey, actually not that thing, but maybe this other thing, right? Um, Where you have brought into the room like... Even sometimes if I'm sexting about something and things get a little bit edgier, I will use like a little parenthetical in a separate message to be like, you still feeling cool with this, right? Or like, this was really hot to me, but if that's weird, we can navigate away from it or whatever, right? That little bit yeah. of a check-in. Little because footnote, yeah. Exactly. It it creates that space. It's almost like an in-person stage whisper of being like, this is so cool, right? Right? <laughs> um, and it creates that little bubble so that you know that they have the space to tell you if things aren't going the way you want them to. Mm -hmm. And then you can feel comfortable knowing that like, oh, if I flub a sentence here or there, we're going to talk about it and I'm going to get to keep doing sexy things with this person. Yes. Yeah. And not, like you said earlier, not being so hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So just to make a quick left turn uh, about being hard on oneself, uh, (laughs) let's talk about your other class, which is uh, better bottoming for submissives. Mm -hmm. Um, So what is an S type and what are some, yeah, what are some styles of submissive that we see out there? Oh, gosh. Uh, I mean, there are a great many. And that's why I kind of designed this class to appeal to anyone who bottoms and uh, anyone who bottoms and it's primarily written towards submissives because bottoms and submissives, not necessarily the same thing. Yeah, Um, same, same more about that. Yeah. So when I talk about a bottom, we talk about like topping and bottoming. We're talking about uh, the top is the person who does the action. They do the tying, they do the flogging, they do the fucking. And the bottom is the person who receives that, right? They are being tied, they are being flogged, they are being fucked. Uh, A dominant and a submissive, people use those words often interchangeably, but it's less about action and more about power. So the dominant is in control of the power in the situation, is control of the direction of the scene, might choose what is going to happen, might be might have the authority in that situation, whereas the submissive is the more passive role, the person who is receiving commands and direction and that sort of thing. And 
you might often assume, right, that the person in charge, the person who is the the top, who is doing the flogging, doing the tying, doing the fucking, is also going to be the dominant, the person in control of the scene. And that can be true, but doesn't necessarily have to be true, right? Um... I, we mentioned earlier, uh, I'm a sadomasochistic switch. I like pain. I like bottoming to pain. In my relationship right now, I am the dominant pretty much all the time. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't get hit, because if my submissive is hitting me in the way I want to be hit with the things I want to be hit with at the time I want to be hit, I'm still the dominant, and mm-hmm. I'm the bottom. Mm-hmm. So this class is primarily focused on skills for folks who are going to be receiving things and bottoming to things. Um, And it is scaled towards people who like playing on the submissive side of power. That has Mm -hmm. a bit of flavor to it. Um, But you do not have to be submissive to bottom. You can bottom as a top, or you can bottom completely separate from power dynamics. You can take pain, and that doesn't mean that there has to be some element of power exchange involved. Yeah. Well, I think it was like you said earlier when you were talking about um, how do you want to feel during Mm -hmm. an encounter? So to me that, that makes me think of like, there are so many different types of submissive types or as you called S types out there. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, I guess about how you want to feel. Mm -hmm. So I know in your like uh, class description, one was like masochistic power bottom or shy service slut so mm-hmm. like these can, it can look very different. There are lots of different, I think, ways to be submissive depending on how you and your partner want to feel. Exactly. And there are definitely different um, angles to inhabit your submission from. And your submission doesn't have to look one type of way. The way I submit to one partner is very different from the way I submit to other partners. Uh, the way I submit even in scenes might change. Mm-hmm. Um which is why I speak so broadly and say just it is a class for S-types. It is for folks who play on that side of the slash in whatever way that looks like. It, um, because there are so, so many different ways to inhabit that role, and I really feel like submission is a thing that is really personal to the person who is experiencing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing I want to just like clear. And I I think for some folks listening in the kink community, this might be an obvious one for you, but for new Mm -hmm. listeners, I think a lot of people have this misnomer because as you're describing submissive, I think one of the words we use is maybe receiver or quote unquote passive. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of people think that means that submissives are weak or Mm. demure or lazy. Um, They haven't seen a submissive get beaten. A huge portion of what this workshop is about is what I think of as the roles of a submissive and a huge portion of what a submissive's responsibilities are is to be able to understand themselves intimately, to speak to their boundaries, to speak to their needs and their requirement. A dominant kink is not a one way thing. It is not about a dominant doing a thing to a person. It is a conversation. Uh, Dominants are often enjoying creating experiences for their submissives, and often that is based around the submissive's desires. Uh, Mm -hmm. We can't do that without a submissive advocating for what they want and desire. Mm -hmm. So submission often is about holding space for really intense vulnerability and intimacy and intense physical and emotional sensation, uh, which is, I think, a thing that also culturally we can sometimes attribute as weak or whatever we want, however mm-hmm. we want to talk about vulnerability. Yeah. Um, so I think if there are folks who are having this association with uh, passivity and weakness, I would explore them to, I would encourage them to explore their relationship to 
vulnerability and just mm-hmm. intensely feeling the things that our bodies can feel. Because yeah. for me, my experience of submission and many of the submissive I, submissives I play with has been about being comfortable exploring and inhabiting these dark, intense emotional, physical things that our bodies can do and playing around yes. in there and seeing Definitely. what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that gives me chills. I love that. <laughs> I, think, I think it's such a good way to, to describe what's, what's really happening. Yeah. The, the willingness to go to these places uh, within right. yourself and with somebody else. Right. And to offer a piece of themselves up to be explored and played with, with their partner. Mm-hmm. Right. There is definitely a, opening up and a bareness that can come with submission. Um, especially, I don't want to say when you're doing it right, but like in some of my heaviest scenes, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Brene Brown mm-hmm. and her work. Um, she talks about vulnerability hangovers that mm. feel of I have just exposed myself so thoroughly to someone or many people. I have shared yeah. this core intimate piece of myself yeah, and I that feel feels scary and terrified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing I talk about in this workshop for folks who haven't experienced kink, but are wondering mm-hmm. what they might need emotionally after their first couple of scenes. I encourage you to uh, think about other times where you felt that vulnerability hangover, that feeling mm-hmm. of everyone has, like, I have been seen and known and, oh God, what now? Yeah. Uh, because I have definitely felt that way after scenes. And it's not like it is great and intimate and connective. And there is also that moment of like, oh God, right afterwards, <laughs> yeah. right? That takes totally. A, takes I imagine this is the way most people feel after like a therapy session with me as well. <laughs> so I feel like a, I'm like a therapy dom, I guess. <laughs> no, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's, oh, it is an intense feeling. And then, yeah, it's like, both you're like physically exhausted. So you're maybe not operating with all your spoons, but then you're also potentially thinking of like, well, what does this person think of me? And now that they've seen mm-hmm. me, do they reject me? And like, am I good? And like, there's so many things. So yeah. What mm-hmm. are some other, what are some other tips for submissives to consider in wanting to be better for themselves in, in these settings? And I don't want to give away your whole training because I want people to hire you, but g- give, us a, give, us a, give us a taste. I think the most important takeaway I want to give from this class is a thing that like we have been talking about, but it is in the importance of uh, speaking up and being an engaged and active participant in what is happening mm-hmm. um, in your scenes and to have to be willing to be conscious and reflective on the scenes that I've had. What do I know about myself? What am I bringing into these scenes? What are the things that, what do my desires actually look like? What kind Mm -hmm. of things do I want to explore? The more you are able to understand your desires and put language to them, because knowing a thing about yourself and sharing it with the people that you're in relationship with are two very different skill sets, right? Mm -hmm. But being able to understand your desires and the things you crave, as well as the ways that you respond to kink and the ways that you react and the ways that you can expect, the things that you can expect yourself to go through in a scene, all of that work that goes 
before engaging in kink with someone, um, before engaging in a particular scene. I think yeah. all of that is really, really helpful, mm-hmm. as well as just recognizing how important it is for you to share these things, how much sharing that information is a core piece of creating really rewarding scenes. I One of the most important revelations for me in this process was recognizing that expressing a desire is not a demand for action. So as a submissive, I can say, I have been thinking about sucking your cock all day. I just really want my mistress's cock in my mouth. It's all I can think about the way it tastes. And I tell her all about it and everything. Mm-hmm. And she's the boss. She can say, great, get on your knees. I also want my cock sucked. She could also say, no, that's, yeah. you're going to tell me. Or oh, great, I want you to think about that for 10 more days and maybe right, I'll exactly. let you. <laughs> oh, that's hot. Too bad you're not going to get it. Right? <laughs> no, she can, even she hearing can, that, I'm triggered. <laughs> <laughs> right, like she can tie me up and put her cock just out of reach of my mouth. And like, so I have to be in a really uncomfortable position to reach it, right? Like just because mm-hmm. I have told her that I desire a thing, all I've given that dominant is are the tools to either offer that to me as a reward or like tempt me or taunt me in a particular way. Like I have just given them the tools they need to fuck with me in the ways that we both find fun. Mm -hmm. But so many submissives are like, I couldn't possibly tell them that I want that because then Mm -hmm. if they do it, I made them do it. And then they're not the dominant. You didn't make them do shit. Uh, You told me. (laughs) Okay. Yes. This is a topic I want to cover really quick before we wrap up, because I think, Um, especially for new folks. And I've been guilty of this myself, like getting into kink or BDSM or exploring your submissive side. I do think, and and this is true for like non-kinky couples. I mean, I always think there's a power dynamic, even if people say they're not kinky, of course. But I think people saying, well, I don't want to have to tell you what I want. You should just know if you love me enough, right? You should just know that I like things done this way or that I like the bed made that way or that I like you to touch me this way. So how do we how do we get it to not be sexy to ask for what you want, I guess, if you're submissive? <laughs> right. right. Or how do, sorry, how do we get it to be sexy to ask for what you want? Because like I said, I think people who are wanting to be submissive and maybe not getting enough of that dominant energy from the partner that they're craving might feel like, oh, I'm having to teach them how to dom me or they're just being more of a service top or mm-hmm. uh, it's not sexy to have to ask. They should just do it to me. Um yeah, how do we how do we re-narrate this so that it is sexy? <laughs> yeah, well, so I have a whole section on this actually, and there are a lot oh, of ways. That, yeah, there are a lot of ways you can do this. A couple of things come to mind for for me. Um, first of all, there's a separation right between the conversations that are happening when you're actively playing and the conversations that are happening outside of that. Mm-hmm. For me, anything that I am saying, like outside of the situation like if i'm watching tv and i'm like wow that made me think about this like fantasy thing and i mention it to the person on the couch next to me and it shows up a week later in our scene i don't feel like i made them do that i feel like i gave them an idea and they hung on to it and built on it and it grew Mm -hmm. so talking about things outside of the bedroom or wherever you're fucking can be helpful right um just letting sexy ideas be a part of the neutral conversations you have. Mm-hmm. I also do things like having shared fantasy lives, um, whether that looks like uh, 
sharing a book of erotica and like highlighting your favorite stories so that like your partner can read these things and like see the bits that turned you on without you sitting in front of them and telling them mm-hmm. right or like i used to say a tumblr blog with porn gifts but they ruined that uh, um, yeah i know all right yeah like a shared the only fans account or whatever porn platform you use where you can be like hey, I liked this video and I bookmarked it. So like next time you're browsing bookmarks, you'll just stumble across this thing that I yeah. said was hot. I have right? a note in my like iPhone apps that's a shared note with one of my partners. And mm. I just list like links of videos that I liked or like classes I want to take. Um, yeah. And so sometimes we'll go there if we want to like check something off and are like, oh, we need to kind of put some energy into our connection. Um, mm-hmm. But other times it's just like, these are things I found interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Which I think sometimes yeah. people do about like non-sexual activities. So do it for sex activities and toys and whatever you want to put on. Exactly. There. I have, uh, one of the protocols that my submissive has is if their mind is ever wandering and they just like idly stumble upon a, upon a fantasy, they write it down in a fantasy journal that they have so they can like keep track and like look back and be like, wow, I've been fantasizing about rope a lot lately or whatever. And notice these trends. Mm, now, that's a fun but, idea. Yeah. I, Bonus points, the fantasy journal exists on Google Drive and I have a link, so I'm allowed to like be a creep and read their journal whenever I want and just like throw those ideas back at them later. <laughs> you don't have to do it that way, but so that's voyeuristic. Also fun. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're very into the like surveillance invasion of privacy feelings that come with that because they don't know when I read it, but just suddenly I'll be like, oh, You so have some fantasizing about that, <laughs> haven't you? And they're like, Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so exposed, but I love it. Right. But that's fun. And there are like sexy ways to do this too, right? It can be about like taking sex out of necessarily having to feel sexy all the time. Mm -hmm. And if you're submissive, there are submissive ways to ask for things you want, right? Like in the moment, that might just look like begging and pleading. God, please, I really want this. Please, 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 can I have your cock in my mouth, right? Um, They can say no, that's fine. Um, you can, if you are the flavor of submissive who enjoys humiliation or self-deprecation, you can even play it up like, God, I'm such a slut. All I can think about is blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Right. Again, you are leaning into your submissive side and still sharing that information. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I have my notes just listed as Willy Wonka's no, don't. But essentially be like, no, don't do that. Spank oh. me. What? That would be the worst thing in the world. No. Yes. When uh, Was this when um, whatever... Augustus Gloop. Augustus Gloop was, was going to the No, don't go to the no, river. No, stop. Don't. No. Stop. <laughs> don't. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And of course, this is assuming that you and your partner have come up with a safe word so you know that no, stop, don't doesn't actually mean no, stop, don't if you've established mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, similarly in line with that is like bratting for punishment, where again, this is a thing that'll be kind of built into your dynamic. But if my partner is like being a brat and I'm like, listen, if you keep being a wise ass and like trying to lick my face or whatever, I'm gonna beat your ass later. And, and then, then they try me. and lick my face. Yeah, they ask to get beaten. That's the, that's the conversation we just had, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's easy ways to build into the, like, I give you an opportunity to choose what kind of kinky thing you want, and then you set yourself up to get it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, amazing. And then I mentioned the, like, journal that my uh, partner keeps, but confessional tasks just in general 
um, are really good for this because it can be like, yes, they have to keep this journal and I get to look at it, whatever. But it can also be, I can sit a submissive in front of me and say, I need you to tell me in detail the last thing you jerked off to. Or like, I want you to tell me three things you fantasized about me doing to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting that information. We're communicating. I'm learning these things. And you feel exposed. You feel made to do the thing. This information is being pulled out of you. And yeah. we have that story that we wanted to build to go along with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, this is amazing. I like, I feel I feel so titillated. I want to see the whole class. Oh, yeah. um, but I'm so grateful to you for coming on and, and giving us some some teasers of that. So I want folks to be able to hire you, find you, support the work that you're doing. Um, how can people get in touch, um, find those resources you were talking about, and uh, give you money? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I am at BexTalkSex on Twitter um, and at BexTalkSex.com. That's where you can find information about all of my workshops. I teach every Wednesday night at 7.30 Eastern on Zoom. So you can find uh, my workshop schedule on my website. Better Bottoming is actually also available for download. So if you click classes in my header, you'll be able to see uh, that workshop as well. And you can see that on your own time, which is rad if you don't want to come and see it live. I have a week weekly podcast called The Dildorks that's released every Tuesday. You can search The Dildorks in whatever app you're listening to this on. I'm sure we're there. Uh, And finally, I am also real naked on the internet. So if you're listening to this whole workshop and you were like, you know, that guy's real clever, but I'd understand what he was saying more if his dick was out, uh, you can go to (laughs) at Billy Lore because that is that whole side of the thing on, uh, go to at Billy Lore on Twitter. That's that whole side of what I do on the internet. Uh, yes, well, this is Sluts and Scholars, and so no shame <laughs> if it takes looking at someone's dick to get you to listen to that. Exactly. I'm like, no, I get it. I'm clever. I'm also cute. It's fine. Enjoy. <laughs> Love it. Um, Bex, thank you so much for joining. Um, again, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. Uh, the pigs are going off in the background. Uh, feel free to follow and listen wherever you listen to your podcast. And please rate and review. It is always so helpful. Um, and definitely go buy things from the advertisers with the discounts. Thanks so much, Bex. Thanks for having me. Thanks.